and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Today we're kicking off a brand new series that we're calling There Is More. And for the next three to four weeks, we're going to take a journey as a church, a journey to discover more and to experience more as a church, as individuals, and as families. And ultimately, our goal as a church, even our goal as Christians, ultimately our goal for all of us is to see people saved, to see people say yes to Jesus, to be brought into the family of God. But what I want to tell you in this series is, yes, salvation is very important, right? It's necessary, but there's more. There's more. Your journey doesn't end with salvation. If the journey was over at salvation, the moment we said yes to Jesus, my opinion is we'd be raptured. Right then we'd go to heaven, we'd spend eternity with him. But salvation isn't the end. I believe it's just the beginning of our journey. I believe that there is more. God has more for us. And I'm convinced more than ever before, if, if we want to pursue this more, and we want more in our life, and God wants us to have more, I believe we get there with the help and guidance of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit's power in our lives. So in this series, we are going to talk about for the next three to four weeks, but the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. And I know many of you in this room, many of you watching online, we have some questions There's even some confusion in the church today about who the Holy Spirit is and what's his role in my life and what's his role in the church. And there's even some fear. And I understand those concerns. I understand those questions. And my hope and my goal in this series is to answer some of those questions and to eliminate some confusion. And one of the ways that I feel we can even eliminate some of the confusion and answer some questions is to create space for you to experience him in our services. And so one of the things we're going to do for the next three or four weeks at the bare minimum, and we've done this in the past, is we're going to create space. We're going to abbreviate the front end of worship so we can have a little more time at the end for you to experience him. And so after the message, we are creating space for you to come into the altars. And you can go, you'll notice over in this section, there's a cross. And at that cross, there is a table that has paper on it. You can write something that's going on in your life and pin it to the cross. Because how many of you know there's power in the cross? You can go there. There's three stations in the front of the room at the front rows where you can grab communion. You can take that as a person or as a family. And I believe... I believe when we're right with the Lord and when we take communion and we remember him, I believe healing can come with communion. I believe that. Jesus died not only so we'd be saved, but he also died. His body was broken so that we could be healed and so that we could be made whole. So you can take communion. You can also come up and there's candles that you'll see lit at the front. And I know some people, this is just something symbolic for them to come and remember a person or a family member who's sick or in the hospital or who needs to know the Lord. And you can kind of, as a prayer, light one of those candles. Or you can come and you can just kneel and you can worship. We're going to create that space at the end for you to experience the Lord. Main thing is we want to create room for you to connect with the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. Because I believe 
for all of us, no matter where you are on your faith journey, there is more. All right? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I want to come before you today and I want to ask you to minister in this room. God, I want to ask you to remove any distractions, any fears, any concerns, any questions. I want to ask you to move today, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing. I pray that you guide my words, guide my thoughts, give us all ears to hear and a heart that responds to this word, God. And we love you. We thank you. In your name we pray. Everybody said, amen. As I said, today we are kicking off a series on the person of the Holy Spirit that we're calling There Is More. And I don't know about all of you in this room and as I've even been studying this message, there have been many points where I've just sat there kind of crying because I'm in this place and this isn't pastor talk. This isn't something I feel like I have to stay, say on this stage, but I'm in the season of my life where I want more. I need more. I'm really in this place where I'm desperate for a move of the Holy Spirit in my life, but not just in my own life, but in my family. I need the Holy Spirit. I need him in my family. Tasha and I need him in decisions we're making as a family. We, we need his guidance in this church and as we shape culture and as we prepare to move into the future for this church, we need the Holy Spirit because here's the deal. I know what I'm capable of doing in and of myself. I know how I'm capable of leading and I am unable to lead us where we need to go by myself. I need the power, the person, and the presence of the Holy Spirit. But guess what? I know this about you. You may think you can do it all, but you too are limited and you need the power and the person of the Holy Spirit guiding your life and your decisions. We all need him. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. One of our key verses in this series, you'll see this on the screen, you'll see it in your um, notes. If you're looking at you version, you can see it there, but it's Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. I want to encourage you to see it on the screen or pull up you version on your phone or grab your Bible. But this is one of our key verses for this series. And Zechariah 4, 6 says this, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, not by might, nor by power. Now this word might focuses on collective strength, the strength of a group, the strength of a group of people or an army. It's collective resources. The word power focuses on an individual strength, but God says it's not by the efforts of many. It's not by the efforts of one, but it's by my spirit. Everybody say that word, say spirit. It's not by might. It's nor by power but it's by God's spirit. What God is saying here is you can have a group effort and you can try or you can try individually, but you're not going to receive more by your cleverness or by your ability or by your talents. It's only going to come by the Holy Spirit. I believe the necessary resource for God's work in your lives for you to become all that God has called you to be is the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, this word spirit in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6 is the Hebrew word ruach. We see this word in creation in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. 
We see this word again in, in, at the parting of the Red Sea in Exodus chapter 15. We also see this word in Ezekiel chapter 37 at the raising of dead bones. This, this word ruach, it means an unseen force. And this word doesn't translate very well into English, but if we were to try to translate this word ruach into English, it means the breath of God. It means the breath of God. But the reason it doesn't translate so well is here's what I want you to hear. It's more than the word breath. It's more than that. It is literally the, the breath of God. So we don't have this word in English. It's but that is literally what it means. So this word ruach is more than the word itself, but it's the power behind that word. And the power behind that word is the breath of God. The breath of God created. The breath of God raises up dry bones. The breath of God, it's not by our might. It's not by our power, but it's by the, the breath, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. What I want to teach you in this series is I don't need to try to do it on my own. You don't need to try to do it on our own. It's not by our ability. It's not by anything that humans can do. We need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If we're going to to see transformation this year. We need something beyond human ability. We need the very breath of God propelling our lives. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. So in this series, what I want to do is I want to, I hope to answer questions for you on who the Holy Spirit is. I don't want to eliminate some confusion, but I also, I want to introduce you to the more that is available to you because of the Holy Spirit. Another verse in this series is 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, it says this, For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, but it is living by God's power. The message says it this way, God's way is not a matter of mere talk, it's an empowered life. Sadly, though, for a lot of us as Christians, we don't, leave, we don't live Holy Spirit-empowered lives. We're a lot of talk. We have beliefs. We have a system that, by which we operate. We have a belief system. But we're not living an empowered life. Here's what I want to tell you. God never intended for you to simply have a belief system. God never intended for you simply to have ideas, but God wants you, God wants me, God wants those of you who are watching online to live by power, the Holy Spirit's power. There is more for you. This word power in the New Testament is the word dunamis. It's a Greek word. It's where we get our word dynamite. It means explosive power. So a question for you all today, but really this is a question I've been asking myself. This is a question I've been digging into uh, this is a question that I want answers to because you see, just like all of you, I have areas in my life where I need to see the power of God operating. 
I have areas in my life where I want to see the power and the presence of God. And I, I have areas in my life where I pray and I honestly don't see God moving and happening how I want to. And so I'm asking that question, God, what do I got to do to see this power operating and functioning in my life? How do we get this power? How do we live an empowered life? How do we see what Joel chapter 2 prophesies about? In the last days, you will see signs and wonders and power. How do we see that in our lives today? How do we pray for the sick and they get healed? How do we pray for marriages and they're restored? How do we pray for our government and we begin to see the hand of God move? How do we live this powered life where our prayers have power and our prayers have authority? I believe it starts with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we've looked at that verse multiple times over the last few months here at Destiny Church, but I believe this verse, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, begins to lay the foundation for the answer to this question about how do we get filled with the Holy Spirit's power? How do we get this power? These are the very last words that Jesus is speaking to his followers while on earth. So if there's last words, I would say they're pretty important words. And let's look at what Jesus says. But you will receive power. Acts 1.8. But you will receive, everybody say that word. Come on, say that word again. You receive power when, what happens? You receive power when you get saved. You receive power when you go to church. You receive power when you go to a life group. I think all those contribute but we receive power that transforms, power that changes when the Holy Spirit comes on us. And I am convinced that the reason that many of us don't walk in power and authority and freedom that is rightfully ours as sons and daughters of God is, I believe, because we are not walking, living, and operating in the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. Let me say it again. I believe that the reason many of us live sometimes what feels like defeated Christian lives where we're not walking in freedom, we're not walking in authority, we're not walking in power is because I believe we're trying to do it by our own might and by our own power and by our own human abilities. But Jesus says it's not by any of that, but it's by the Holy Spirit's power. I believe if you want to see transformation, I believe if you want to see your marriage changed, if you want to see your life changed, if you want to see wholeness, if you want to see health, I believe we need to start with with the Holy Spirit's power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, wait for that. We need power. And I know again, this subject, the Holy Spirit, for many of you, this is a different subject. You've been taught differently. We've been taught different things about who the Holy Spirit is and his role in the church. And I know some things that have been called the Holy Spirit, some things we've seen in churches have freaked some of us out. I get that. I've seen it. But, if, but you're going to have to notice, if you read the Bible, and if you read the book of Acts, you're going to see there's a major emphasis on, from the New Testament church on the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. You're going to see that in the book of Acts. We can't just negate that. 
and say that the Holy Spirit isn't relevant for today. If we're going to use the New Testament model in shaping our church, then we have to look at what the Word says, and there's a major emphasis from the New Testament church, New Testament church leaders who were put in place by Jesus to shape the church. There's a major emphasis on the power of the Holy Spirit. And one of my goals in this series is, like I said, I want to eliminate some confusion, but I also want to whet your appetite for the power of the person of the Holy Spirit in your life because I believe we need Him. Listen to me, let me say this. The power of the Holy Spirit didn't stop, die, or go away with the disciples. I believe it's living and active today, and we need it more. So I want to show you just a couple of scriptures And then I'm going to give you some steps on what do I need to do to be filled with this power. Let me just show you a couple things that happened in Acts where I show you that it's beyond salvation. There's more for you, okay? Let's look at it. These things happen after Pentecost. Acts chapter 19, verse 1 through 6. Let's look at it. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and he arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. So I want you to see this. There he found some disciples. So this is kind of a Chad Blancet paraphrase here for just a moment. But obviously, if we find some disciples, we know that those are followers of Jesus, right? He's not talking about the 12. He's talking about some people that since Pentecost, and since Christianity has begun to expand through the globe, these are some new followers of Jesus. So they found some people who are followers of Jesus, and and I want you to notice, Paul's kind of like, hey, I know you're saved, I know you're on your way to heaven, but listen, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? These are Christians, right? These are followers of Jesus, right? I'm just teaching you, some of you guys looking at me today like you didn't sleep all night. Like, all right, so I can go as long until you guys wake up. So the more you get into this, the faster I'll go, all right? Nobody says, but did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? Look at what their answer is. No, we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, and he told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is Jesus. They know him. On hearing this, they were now baptized in the name of Jesus. But listen here, this is the key. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. I want you to notice today, there's a separate act that happens here. They have already received Jesus. They are followers of Jesus. They are disciples. They have not yet heard of who the Holy Spirit is in their life. And so Paul begins to tell them who he is, and then he lays hands on them, and a new baptism happens. I want you to understand, salvation is an act. Baptism in water is an act. But I believe that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a separate act act that happens. Yes, I believe according to scripture, when all of us are saved, we are sealed as scripture tells us with the promise of the Holy Spirit. So we are giving a measure of the Holy Spirit, but I believe there's another level, another depth that comes when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives like we see in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. These people that we see here in Acts chapter 19, they are baptized 
in the Holy Spirit. Just like Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the Holy Spirit comes on them. But we have to look at the very end of verse 6, and this is one of those areas where I know that many people are freaked out, and they have questions, and they have confusion, and there's some different teaching about it. But listen what it says here. They spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. I believe, this is my belief system, but I also believe that I can back this up with Scripture. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, there is something different that happens in you. He said again, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, not simply your salvation experience, but when the Holy Spirit comes on you, like we see in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, there is something that happens. We see power. We see tongues. We see prophecy. We see spiritual gifts, and we're going to look at those in this series. All right, let's look at another story, Acts chapter 8. Philip went down to a city in Samaria, and he proclaimed Jesus there. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, they were baptized, both men and women. So we see at the beginning of this, these are not believers. But Philip preaches the gospel of the kingdom. They say yes to Jesus like many of you have. And they are baptized in water. One experience, two experiences, right? But notice what happens next. Acts chapter 8, verse 14 and 17. When the apostles, when the disciples in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Listen, they were saved. They were baptized in water, but Paul, the disciples, I mean, are coming and they're praying for a separate experience. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon them like we see in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. They had simply been baptized in the name of Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and listened, and they received the Holy Spirit. I, what I want you to see today, what I want to teach you is when you are saved, you are sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, but that's not all there is for you. There is more. There is a separate experience that happens. The Holy Spirit comes upon us. This experience is more. And what I want you to know is your Christian journey doesn't stop with salvation. There is more. Salvation is not the end, it's the beginning. And I believe if we're going to see transformation, I believe if we're going to see power, I believe if we're going to see spiritual gifts operating in our church, like I said, and we're going to look at those in the next few weeks, I believe it starts with being filled with the Holy Spirit. So the question is, Pastor Chad, what do I got to do to be filled? What do I got to do to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, I believe I have some things that I can help you with today. All right, what steps do I need to take? Number one, you need to remove all barriers. Everybody say word, say all. I need to remove all barriers that keep me from all that God has for me. How many of you know you all have some barriers in your life that are self-inflicted barriers, right? Some sins in your life that stop you from getting all that God has for you. And, and you know what those are, and this message isn't even really addressing those issues. But if you have sin, if you have issues in your life that are impacting what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life, remove those. 
But all of the barriers in your life are not all self-inflicted. Some of what's keeping many of us from experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Some of us, we've had some bad church experiences. Some of us, we've had some bad Holy Spirit experiences. Some of us, we've had some bad teaching. And for a lot of us, who have some fears concerning the Holy Spirit, or if we have some turnoffs concerning the Holy Spirit, here's what I'm convinced. I'm convinced we are not turned off by the Holy Spirit. I'm convinced we are turned off by the package that many churches and church leaders have put the Holy Spirit in and then sold it and said, this is the Holy Spirit. I believe we're not turned off by the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. I believe we're turned off by the packaging that the church is called the Holy Spirit. I get it. I've been there. For the most part of my, of my life, I've been born and raised in Pentecostal-style churches and environments who believe in the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I, I pray in tongues. I believe in it. We are a Spirit-filled church. We want to be even more of a Spirit-filled church. But man, some of the stuff that we've called the Holy Spirit over the years is weird. Some of the things that we've called, some of the things that I've called the power and the person of the Holy Spirit is weird, it's creepy, it's scary, and it's strange. And honestly, some of what we've said, well, that's just the Holy Spirit, you need to get used to it. It wasn't the Holy Spirit, it was just man acting weird. And I remember as a kid, going up in this, Pentecostal style church and camps and all of this thinking, I don't want to bring a girl. I don't want to bring a guy because so-and-so is going to act weird and they're going to run out the door and never come back to church and not be my friend. And I remember thinking those things, but I want to tell you today, that's not the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit isn't weird. He isn't creepy. He isn't strange. He's wonderful. He's powerful. He's our comforter. He's our counselor. He's here for us. He's a guide for us. And I believe an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit can change your life. I believe that. There's more. But however, what I've discovered over the years is many of us as Christians, I want you to hear me. This will be on the screen, but we tend to avoid what we're afraid of and what we don't understand. I don't understand it, so I don't want that. I don't understand the Holy Spirit. I've seen some bad packaging in the Holy Spirit. I've seen some weird things, so I don't want that. And it's a turnoff, and we just avoid it. We just are afraid of it. So today I want to say to you this. Don't let your past experiences or fear or confusion or bad teaching or bad experiences or bad packaging of the Holy Spirit be the barrier that's stopping you from getting all that God has for you. Don't let that be a barrier. All right, James chapter one, verse 17, it's gonna be on the screen. I'm not gonna read it exactly as it says on the screen, but I want you just to kind of see a Chad Blancet paraphrase. Listen, there is nothing, if the Holy Spirit is from God, which he is, there is nothing that God can do for you that is not good or perfect or pleasing. And if it's from the Lord, you can trust him. That's what I believe that verse says. Let me say it for you another way. If God's word has it for you, it's good for you. God's not putting a gift 
in the Bible that's bad for you. It's good for you. I love what Ephesians chapter four, verse 30 says. The Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit, moving and breathing in you, listen to this, is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for him. Don't take such a gift for granted. The Holy Spirit is a gift for you. Don't take the gift of the Holy Spirit for granted. Listen to me. You don't have to go at my pace. You don't have to act like me. But don't say, I don't want the Holy Spirit because he's weird or I've seen weird stuff. That's not who the Holy Spirit is. Don't let bad packaging stop you from getting all that God has for you. All right? Remove all barriers. Here's the second step. Ask God to give you all that he has for you. Just talking about steps. What do I got to do, Pastor Chad, to be filled with this Holy Spirit? What do I got to do to receive this power? We got to remove the barriers. And we need to ask God to give us all that he has for us. We need to say, God, if you have it, I want it. God, if you have it, I want it. Actually, I want us to be as bold to say that today. If you would join in with me and you say, Pastor Chad, I'll be that bold and I'll say that today. I want you to repeat after me. God, if you have it, I want it. Let's say it again, but say it with some passion today. God, if you have it, I want it. Come on, let's make that even a prayer. Let's close our eyes and let's kind of lift up our hands. Let's kind of say it right now. Say, God, if you have it, I want it. Let's be as bold. Let's believe that. God, if you have this in my life, I want it want it. Because here's some powerful truth for you today. I want you to hear this. Here's some powerful truth. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, all that you currently have is not all that God has for you. There is more. So what do we do? So what do we do? We pray. We we invite God to come in and we ask him, God, I want all that you have for me. Here could be kind of a simple prayer. God, I want more. God, I want to keep growing. I want to keep transforming. I want all that you have for my life. I want all that you have for my family. I want all that you have for this church. And if I've had some bad teaching or some bad experiences from my past that are limiting me, God, please remove it because I want it all. I want it all. And I know for some of you, if you were to pray a prayer, when you pray a prayer like this, God, I want it. If you have it, I want it. That can seem like a dangerous prayer or that can seem contrary to how you've been taught or how you've been raised or what your parents kind of made you believe about the Holy Spirit and who he is. But today I'm just encouraging you. Lay all those barriers aside and invite God to give you all that he has for you. Just try it. Don't be afraid, just try it. The Holy Spirit is a gift. Just try it. One of the key verses, and I hope this describes it for you, one of the key verses um, that really shaped this series um, is Ezekiel chapter 47. And the Lord started speaking to this verse in my heart when my family was on vacation, even for this series back at the beginning of August. But act. It's Ezekiel chapter 47. Ezekiel 47 is a prophecy in the Old Testament that's pointing to the New Testament church. Okay, here's what it says. Verse three, we're gonna look at verse three through five and then verse, um, verse nine. As the man went eastward with the measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and he led me through water that was ankle deep. This is where some of you are in your 
Christian journey today, ankle deep water. How could we practically describe ankle deep water? You've said yes to Jesus. You're saved. You're on your way to heaven. You're a part of the family of God, but you haven't been fully immersed in all that God has for you. You're just kind of just in church, but there's more. There's more for you. Let's look at verse four, the first part of verse four. He measured off another thousand cubits and he led me through water that was now knee deep. So we've been ankle deep water. Now we're standing in knee deep water, all right? To help make this practical, maybe we could say, hey, those of you that are in knee deep water, you're saved. You've said yes to Jesus. Maybe you're in a life group. Maybe you're on a serve team and church isn't something you just do when you feel like it, but you've kind of committed to church. You're, you're in knee deep water and you're enjoying your experience, but I want to tell you there's more for you. Let's look at the next part of verse four. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that's at this point, it's up to my waist. If you've ever been in waist deep water that has a current, you know there's a pull to that current, right? It has a current, you know that water is beginning to pull you. You, you can feel that pull. It's trying to pull you downstream. Another way we said is that current is trying to take you different from where you are to somewhere different. It's this pull. And if you want to just play in that river with your kids and you don't want to go downstream, what do you do? You kind of dig in, right? And you brace and you kind of fight that current. Why? Because you want to stay where you are. You want to entrench yourself in that water. If we could could describe this for those of us who are maybe in our waste and spiritual waters, maybe we could describe it this way. You find yourself maybe in this place in your walk with the Lord, you're past knee-deep water, you're past ankle-deep water, you've went a little deeper with God, but now you feel that God is trying to pull you somewhere new. God's trying to ask for something more of you. And, and sadly, this is where a lot of us dig in in our faith. We get to waist-deep water and we kind of like it, but we entrench ourselves here because we're afraid that God is going to take us somewhere we're not willing or ready to go. And we get in waist deep water and we kind of want to just stay there because I'm content, I'm comfortable. Like, God, I like where I am. I like the deeper things of God. I like sometimes feeling the pull. Sometimes I need it. I like the goosebumps. I like some of the things I feel from you. But God, I kind of like where I am because and in case you want to take me somewhere I'm not willing to go, I want to be close enough to shore that I can get back. We like where we are, but we also want to be in control in case God wants to take us somewhere else. And let me just tell you, when you entrench yourself and you dig into a spot, that's a dangerous place to be. When you tell yourself, God, I want to be in control, but I still want to have you, that's a dangerous place to be. And I feel that's where a lot of us in the church have found ourselves over the last 18 months entrenched and not really willing to move. And honestly, a lot of us, we've actually moved backwards. We've actually went backwards. Let me just tell you, when you fight against what God is wanting to do in your life, that's a dangerous place to be. And I want you to hear me. I want you to hear what I'm getting ready to say. For you to experience all that God has for you, And listen to me, when I say that there's more or that God has more for you, and when I say those things, I'm not saying that in a selfish kind of way. Like, I want more so that I can be blessed, so I can feel good, so I can, I'm not saying that at all. Because remember, the body of Christ is not about me, it's about we, right? 
When I say that God wants you to have more, when I, when I challenge you to say, God, I want all that you have for me, I'm not saying say that from a selfish perspective. I'm saying, God, I want all that you have for me, or God, I want more so I can have the greatest impact possible in the kingdom of God. Yeah, I want my life to be blessed, but I also want to make impact in the kingdom of God. So when I'm saying ask God for more, I'm not saying say that in a selfish way. I'm saying, God, do that so I can have the most kingdom impact. But for you to have the most kingdom impact, you can't entrench yourself in the water and say, God, I'm staying right here. For you to have the most impact in the kingdom of God and to do all that God has called you to do, you have to say you can have control. But too many of us, we want control because we don't want the breath of God propelling us and moving us somewhere we don't want to go. But I want to tell you today, there is more for you. Don't entrench yourself so much in the water that you say, I don't want that because it freaks me out or it's weird. The Holy Spirit is not weird. He is not here to freak you out. He is here to give you more. There's more for you. There's more for you. Let's look at what happens if we're willing to give God full control. Look at verse 5. He measured off another thousand, and now it's a river that I cannot cross because the water has risen and was deep enough to swim in a river that no one can cross. But look ahead, verse 9. Wherever the river flows, life will flourish. Great schools of fish because the river is turning the salt sea into fresh water where the river flows, life abounds. And I don't know about you, but that's the place I want to get to where life is moving. Let me ask you today, where are you in your Christian journey? Ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, are you in waters to swim in? Where are you? And number three, what do I need to do to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Number three, you need to develop an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. What do I need to do to be filled with the Holy Spirit? I got to remove barriers I got to invite God. I got to give him permission to give me all that he has for me. And then I need to develop an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to give you some teaching here. When I say that there's more and that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit, and when I say that it is a separate act and I talk about tongues or prophecy or spiritual gifts like we see in the New Testament, I am not saying, I want you to hear me, I am not saying that we seek after the Holy Spirit simply so we can speak in tongues or prophesy or have spiritual gifts. I'm not saying that. I, what I am trying to say is we seek after the Holy Spirit because we need Him in our lives. We seek after the Holy Spirit because we need Him in our lives. I'm going to show you this in just a moment. But when we find the Holy Spirit, the other things, tongues, prophecy, gifts, knowledge, wisdom, healing, faith, those other gifts, they come as a result of friendship with the Holy Spirit. Let me try to describe it to you this way. My grandpa Blancet, he's given me some thoughts and lines from over the years. And I remember one time a friend was talking about speaking in tongues and Pastor Blancet, he called him, he said, I want to speak in tongues. My grandpa told him, he said, let me give you an analogy. He said, when you go to a shoe store and you go to buy a pair of shoes, do you ask if those shoes have tongues in them? He said, no. He said, no, you know that those shoes are just going to come with tongues, right? He said, so when you seek the Holy Spirit, don't ask for tongues. Just seek the Holy Spirit and know that when you seek him, other things come. 
And so I want to challenge you today. We don't seek the Holy Spirit for the gifts. We seek the Holy Spirit so we can be in friendship with the Holy Spirit. And when he comes on us, there might be different giftings or things that happen inside of us as a result of that friendship. Does that make sense? Even Jesus himself told his three-year trained and hand-picked disciples, listen, he said, don't do anything until after you get the Holy Spirit. He didn't say seek tongues. He didn't say seek prophecy. He didn't say seek gifts. He said, after you're saved, all of this has happened. He said, wait on the Holy Spirit. And it's the same for us today. You may be in relationship with the Lord, but there is more. And friendship with the Holy Spirit is available to us, and it is important. So today I want to challenge you, wait on the Holy Spirit. Seek friendship with Him. Why? Why did Jesus say this? Because Jesus knew His disciples then and us today. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to close with this thought today. Jesus used this word parakletos when he described the person of the Holy Spirit. That word parakletos is the word comforter, counselor, friend, helper. In picture form, Jeff, if you'll come up here real fast, I just want to show you in picture form, what this means is this. So I can, I can pick up this chest by myself. You know, it's not too awful. I can pick it up, but it's a little more uncomfortable. But this is what a lot of you, your spiritual journey is looking like. You're trying to do it all on your own. But when you ask the Holy Spirit to come upon you, and he comes as that comforter, that counselor, and that guide, what it literally means, that word parakletos in the, in the original language means this. You pick up a side, the Holy Spirit picks up a side. And wherever you go, he'll go. Why? Because he's a comforter. He's a counselor. He's a helper. Wherever you go, the Holy Spirit will go with you. It's, it's, that's what it literally means in picture form. As you pick up something, he's there to pick up the other side. And a lot of you have been trying to do this journey without the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you, salvation is great. Salvation is necessary. And if that's all you ever get, you've punched your ticket to heaven. You're on your way to heaven. But I want to tell you, there is more. If you're going through a storm in life, there's more. The Holy Spirit wants to help you. If you're going through something in your marriage, the Holy Spirit is there. He wants to help you. If you're trying to determine what's the next step for my family, the Holy Spirit is there. You don't have to make this decision on your own. You're trying to do determine what do I do for college? What steps do I date this girl? Do I date that guy? You pick it up, the Holy Spirit is there. You're trying to determine, do I buy a cat or buy a dog? You don't need the Holy Spirit, it's always a dog. But no, no matter what, the Holy Spirit is there for you, right? Thanks, Jeff. The Holy Spirit is there for you. Sharon, that was for you. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is our guide. He helps us, he directs us, he leads us, he empowers us. He teaches us how to pray, and the Holy Spirit gives us gifts that are a benefit to the kingdom of God. And today I'm inviting you to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to go at my journey. You don't have to go at my pace. You don't have to act like me. I'm even telling you, don't put it in any box. Just come to the place where you say, Holy Spirit, I want you in my life. And when he begins to move, just give up control and let him take you. Let's pray.
Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.